All right, Jerbo, say good morning. Let us, let us begin. Let us begin. I'm sorry. All right. I want to begin by thanking our sponsors. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Tishrei. Abram Shindy Kalman for dedicating all the Shurim and Drushals this month in memory of their parents. Jack Bennett for dedicating the Shi'urim this month in memory of First Sergeant Nikolai Rappaport, and Dr. Linda Weinberg for dedicating the Shi'urim this month in memory of her husband, Dr. Paul Weinberg Peretz, Moshe Ben Avraham David. We also thank our Day of Learning sponsor, Paul and Kathy Pollock, for dedicating the learning today in memory of Paul's grandfather, Pesach Ben Rav Yisachar. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, and the families with that, let us begin. Sorry, good. We have a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Lamed Aleph 31. And we are picking up Amir Sashem by the Mishnah on the top of Lamed Aleph Ahmed Aleph. Says the Mishnah. Remember again, now we're talking about over here still Muktzi issue. There's, there's two issues. There's a number of issues that are happening over here in these Mishnayis. Of course, there's an ongoing discussion regarding Mukta, which in our sugya appears as Muchan. Is something Muchan, is something prepared, is something not prepared. Of course, Muchan and Mukta are just two sides of the same coin. If something is Muchan, it's not Mukta. If it's not Muchan, it's Mukta. Then, of course, we constantly also have the ongoing discussion regarding what we'll call Uvdin Dechol. The idea we saw in yesterday's daf, that on Yom Tiv, the more you could be Mishana, the more you could change, ultimately, again, the better off it is. So, therefore, it says in Mishnah, If you want to get wood on Yom Tiv for, for fuel, for your fire, so you could go ahead and bring wood from the field, as long as it is gathered. Look at Rashi. Obviously, we're talking about over here, wood that is already detached from the ground, right? Because remember again, one can't detach wood from the ground. That would be the malacha of Ketzira, of Kotzer. So assuming that the wood is already detached from the ground, you can go ahead and get it from the field. Rashi says, in if you went ahead and you gathered this wood on Erev Yom Tiv, then it's permitted to take it from the field. Why? We'll say a very simple idea. Wood out in the field is not prepared for use. So therefore, if on Erev Yom Tiv you went and you gathered wood into a pile in the field, then that shows that your intention is to use it on Yom Tiv. Therefore, it's permitted to take it from the field. But if you did not go ahead and pile it or prepare it on Erev Yamtiv, then by definition, it is Muktza. Umin Akarfeif. I'll say it's been a while since we've seen a Akarfeif. Right? It's been a while. So, the, so what happens if it's from a Akarfeif? I will say Akarfeif, as we know from our Gemara, Mesech Shabbos days, Mesech Erevin days, Karfif is any enclosed area that is not necessarily enclosed for residential purposes. So it just means an enclosed area. Mina Karfif, if you have an enclosed area, even if the wood is scattered. Now, what's the logic of the Mishnah? The logic of the Mishnah is that because the Karfif is enclosed, therefore, by definition, it's, it's prepared. Whatever is in there is prepared for use. Therefore, even if the wood is not piled, but the wood simply is there scattered, one could still use that for Yom Tiv because it is considered to be prepared. Look at Rashi. 
a karfif is guarded, is guarded, umukaf saviv, and is enclosed. Therefore, Therefore, again, I will say, so because the karfif is enclosed, anything found inside of the karfif ultimately is prepared for use. Therefore, I will say, so again, I just want to point out these, these two, these two, they're not really opposites or extremes, but just two cases. Case number one is Eitzimina Sadeh. If you want wood from the field on Yom Tiv, the only way, says the Mishnah, to do that is if the wood was prepared Erev Yom Tiv. What's the definition of preparation? Mokhunas. It was piled. If it wasn't piled Erev Yom Tiv, then that wood that's out in the general field is not prepared for use is Mokhza. If it's a Karfeif, right, ultimately, again, if it's an area, if it's an area that's enclosed, that's mishtamer, then halacha said that wood is prepared, even if it's not, even if it's not bundled, um, but piled, sorry. And halacha lamaisa, one would be permitted to go ahead and use that on Yom Tiv. Good. So the Gemara says, Ezu karfeif. So what's a karfeif? Right? What is a karfeif? So says the Gemara, It's very interesting. So the Gemara is asking over here, what is the general definition of a karfeif? On one hand, we've defined what a karfeif is in that it's enclosed, but are there any other criteria? So interesting enough, Rabbi Yehuda says, a karfeif is also an area that is samoch le'ir. It is next to the city. Next to the city, so next to habitation. Rabbi Yossi Omer, kol shenichnosin lo beposachos, vafid besochotum shabbos. Rabbi Yossi says like this, the definition of a karfeif is any area that is guarded with a key. That it's closed, it's enclosed, and you need a key to enter it. Now, Bosi, now what's interesting over here is as follows: Rabbi Huda says that in order for an area to be called the karfeif, it has to be samoch le'ir next to the city. Rabbi Yossi seemingly says it doesn't even have to be so close, as long as it's within the trum, that's okay. But Rabbi Yossi seems to add in over here is you need a key to get in, which Bosi represents what a heightened level of shimur, right? That there's an extra level of, of we'll call it guardedness that is associated with this particular area. Again, we'll see exactly what Rabbi Yossi is saying in the Gemara. Good. Says the Gemara, Am Rabbi Yehuda, Shmuel, Ein mevien eitzin, ela mina menachunasin, shevekar feif. So as it comes along, Rabbi Yehuda says the name of Shmuel, an interesting twist. You see, remember again, from the Mishnah, what did we have? From the Mishnah, you had two cases. If the wood is in the sada, what do you need? What do you need? Mechunas and piled. And if it's in the karfeif, what do you need? Nothing, right? Nothing. What, 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 you just need to be a karfeif, whatever the definition of a karfeif is. Interesting enough, comes on Rehud in the name of Shmuel and says that you're only allowed to bring wood on Yom Tif if the wood is gathered in a karfeif. Right? So, we'll say, so, now, so now Shmuel's being, uh, this is a different version than the Mishnah. Shmuel's requiring piling, gathering, and karfeif. I says the Gemara, But we learned in our Mishnah that as long as the wood is in a karfeif, it doesn't have to be piled. Even if it's scattered, ultimately, again, that is enough. To which the Gemara says, our Mishnah reflects a singular opinion. Rashi says, Yechidoi, Yechidoi, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar ka'amar la, damar beisila ha'kishar. So also we're going to see, interestingly enough, the Mishnah, our Mishnah, does not reflect the normative view. Our Mishnah, that halacha la'maisa, 
in a karfeif, you don't need it to be piled, is not the normative view. So the Gemara says, said, and now Rabbi Shimon Alazar is the Das Yachid. He is the opinion of the Mishnah. What did he say? agree that scattered wood in a field cannot be utilized on Yom So we'll say that out of all the cases, that's the easiest case, right? Why can't you use scattered wood in a field? Why not? It's not Muchan. It's not Muchan, right? That, that's an easy one. So Rabbi Shimon says, Beisham will both agree that Allah says scattered wood in a field is unusable. Furthermore, What else do they agree on? They agree that piled wood in a karfeif is what? Is what? Is usable. So those are the two, we'll call it, those are the two extreme cases. So everyone will agree that scattered wood in the field cannot be used and piled wood or gal, I call it pile, but it's, it's gathered. Gathered wood in a karfeif can be used. So what's the machlokas? Aman nechlaku. They argue about scattered wood in a karfeif. And gathered wood in the fields. I'll say these are the two machlokas cases. Right? Gathered wood, scattered wood in a karfeif, and piled wood in the field. says you can't go ahead and utilize it. And Beisila says you can use it. Our Mishnah reflects this version of the Machlokas in accordance with Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. But it's important to note that there is another view of Shmuel, which holds that Halacha you certainly can't use scattered wood in, in the field, but even in a karfev, in order for the wood to be usable, it must be piled. It must be gathered. So this is a machlokis. So again, our Mishnah is reflecting the view of Rabbi Shimon Alazar as he frames the machlokis, as we just read. But there is another opinion. We'll see what the halacha lamaisa is in, in just a bit. Amar Rava. So we'll see, you know, actually, I'll tell you the halacha lamaisa. No, not yet. So let's, let's, let's first, we'll finish this again. Amar Rava. Rava says as follows. We'll say a very interesting Gemara. Ali kanim va'ali gifanim. We'll say if you have literally all right, leaves, leave, right, reed leaves, leaves of reeds, or leaves of vines, even though you gather them, right, and they're lying on the ground before yamtiv. So we'll say, so now let's say you want to utilize these leaves on yamtiv. Simple case, you want to use it as fuel for your fire. So what did you do? You, you listened to the Gemara, so you went ahead and halacha lamaisa gathered everything before Yamtiv. Listen to this. This is incredible. The act of gathering leaves on Erev Yamtiv does not make them muchan for use on Yamtiv itself. Why not? Very simple reason. Why not? Because if the wind blows, what happens? Right? If the wind blows, they scatter. So because if the wind blows, they scatter. Therefore, they're not considered to be muchan. Therefore, if you placed some, if you placed an object on them, right? If you went and you placed an object on them, you placed something heavy on them, on Erev Yamtid, in order to keep them in place, 
ultimately shop your dummy, then it is considered to be mucha. So both say, so this is just, this is just a follow-up case. Up until now, we've been speaking about gathering of wood. So all you need to do to make wood mucha is to gather it. The emergency just adding in with leaves, with leaves, if gathering them in a pile does not make them mukhan because the wind could scatter them. You have to put a heavy object on top of them in order to keep them in place, then they are mukhan. Well, so you know, sticking about this Kimara, that, that if you think about it, there is a, there is a beautiful profundity in, in this Kimara as well, which is if you look at the leaves a little bit as like a metaphor for like sparks of inspiration, right? You know, because le- a leaf is a wonderful metaphor for, for inspiration. Why? Because like we just saw, what happens with leaves? Like they come and go. What happens with moments of inspiration? You gather them, you gather them, you gather them. But the truth is, easy come, easy go, right? You go ahead, right? Everyone remembers as a kid, you know, you gather, you rake the leaves, you gather them together. You could work for three hours to gather leaves. You jump in them for 30 seconds, and then what happens? (laughs) Everything is dissipated. In the world of inspiration, it works the same way. You could gather your leaves of inspiration, and you could have a beautiful pile, but Lamaisa, all it takes is one wind, right? Whatever that wind is, a wind of mundanity, a wind of Aveira, a wind of whatever it is, and it scatters everything. So how do you keep your inspiration? What does the Gemara say? You have to put something heavy on top of it. In other words, inspiration has to be anchored in something tangible, if it's not anchored in something tangible, then by definition it is way. So for example, I mentioned this many times before. Rabbi Yitzhak says, He says that whenever a person has a moment of inspiration, he says, just open up a chumash and read a pasuk. Even if it's vaydabra shema Moshe lemar. Because then what happens? A person takes a feeling and they anchor it in something concrete. Now I could say in that moment of inspiration, I learned a Pasuk in Chumash. I gave tzedakah. I did an act of chesed. The leaves are beautiful and they're very pretty when they're in a pile. But all it takes is one wind to dissipate everything. And this is such an important disorder, especially coming off Yamim no Because hopefully we have our pile of inspiration. We have our pile of leaves. But if we don't find a way to put something heavy on top of it, to anchor it in concrete behaviors, unfortunately, the leaves are blown all over the place. Incredible Musraskil. Says the Gimara, Ezu Karfeif. What is a Karfeif? What is a Karfeif? So I'll say, so remember again, just to, just to orient ourselves a little bit over here. So machlokes, at least it looks like a machlokes, right? Rabbi Huda says a karfeif, not it looks, it is a machlokes. Rabbi Huda says a karfeif is an enclosed area that is close to the city. Rabbi Yossi says, Rabbi Yossi says, it could even be within the trum, but it needs a key to get into it. So says the Gemara, kamar. what exactly is the Mishnah saying? So in other words, ultimately, is Rabbi, Huda, is Rabbi Huda saying, as long as the Karfeif is close to the city, and it has a key, so I will say, so we're trying to figure out, what is the Machlokis Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Yossi? In other words, does everyone agree that in order for an area to be a Karfeif, it has to be only accessible with a key? And their machlokes is a proximity machlokes. The Rabbi Huda requires it to be close to the city, whereas Rabbi Yossi is okay if what? If what? If it's within the Tchob, a little bit further out. But they agree that you need a key. O Dilma, or perhaps, Hachikamar, 
or maybe not. Maybe Rabbi Huda says, I don't, it doesn't need a key. Whether it has a key or it doesn't have a key, that, that doesn't actually matter. What just matters is proximity. I say, now, again, I want to be clear. A carpet by definition is always what? Always what? Always enclosed. Right? So that, that, that's not even a discussion over here. It's not a carpet if it's not enclosed. So we're trying to just figure out what the machlokis is. So possibility one, possibility one, is everyone agrees you need a key, you know, right? It has to, which, which means there's an extra level of shmira, right? There's an extra level of guarded kite that's associated with, with this karfev. The machlokis is in proximity. Rabbi Huda says it needs to be close to the city. Rabbi, Rabbi Osi says even within the trom. Or the second possibility is no. Rabbi Huda holds as long as this proximity, as long as it's Samoch Le'ir, has a key, doesn't have a key, it doesn't really matter that much. And comes along Rabbi Yossi and says, no, the key is very important. If you have the key, right, if it's guarded and it has a key, even if it's a little bit further out, as long as it's within Tchum, it's okay. But if you don't have a key, even if it's samoch le'ir, at the end of the day, that's not called a karfev. So we'll say, so we're just trying to frame the machlok. So Tashma, midiktani Rabbi Yossi, midiktani, since it says, Rabbi Yossi Omer, kol shenichnosin lo beposachas, afilu besoch tchum Shabbos, shmamina Rabbi Yossi tarti lekula kamar shmamina. But as I see, the Gemara says, since the Mishnah reads that Rabbi Yossi says, anything that you could enter in with a key, even if it's within the Tchum, Rabbi Yossi is being mako on two accounts. The Gemara says, this, this seems to be start from the Mishnah. Rabbi so what, what does this mean? If you take a look at Rashi, second wide line of Rashi, tarti lekula kamar, kilomar, mid Rabbi Yossi nishma Rabbi Huda, delav tar boy. Rabiosi betartim akio. Rabiosi is meiko on both things. Number one, the machshir besamoch below posachas, or be posachas below samoch. So we'll say, listen to this. Rabiosi says, Rabiosi says that halacha lemaisa, you could either you could be meiko in one of two ways. Either it could be samoch, right? If it's if the karfeif is nearby, you don't need a key, or if the karfeif could even be further away but does have a key. So what Rabbi Yossi essentially says is really all you need is one or the other. Either you need proximity or you need the key, but you don't need both. Now, I will say, now we say that Rabbi Yossi holds that you don't need proximity. Remember, there's still a ceiling on that, right? What's the ceiling on that? What's the ceiling? Is the tchum. But the point where it says the Gimara is Rabbi Yossi saying either if it's samoch, you don't need a posachas, you don't need a key, or if it's further away, ultimately, again, it could be, or it can be further within the trom, but it requires a key. Incredible, Shalami, no. Amr of Salam, Rabbi Yehuda, Halacha, Rabbi Yossi, Lahakel. Rabbi Salasani, Rabbi Yirmiya, that the Halacha follows Rabbi Yossi to be mekel, namely, again, I'll say that either it can be Samoch with a key, or Rachok, or what we'll call in the trom, without a key. That's the Halacha. So we'll say, so just, just a little bit of Halacha, Lamaisa, to close out this, uh, this Sugya. Um, so the Shulchan Arach here, this is in Simen Tov Kuf Aleph, and this is Seifim Gimel and Dalet. So listen to this. Here, here's the Allah Chalamaisa. Ein mevin eitzim min asada. 
So first of all, interestingly enough, we paskin like Shmuel, not like the version in the Mishnah, we paskin like Shmuel. And therefore, you cannot bring wood from the field on Yamtiv, even if what? Even if it was gathered on Erev Yamtiv. Right? Wood in the field is considered to be simply not muhan. I said the Shukhanar gives an example to this. He said, or an exception of Amagavit Hubasadah Mishalafanov. So, Umaliki Sham. He says, what you can do is, if you prepared wood, if you prepared wood in the field, you could light a fire in the field. In other words, so if you went ahead and you piled it in the field, you could light it in the field, you could light it in the field, but you can't bring it back to your house. Okay. But you can't, so I therefore again, an item number one in Paschal like Shmuel, namely that halacha la you ain't, we do not bring wood from the field, even if it was piled Erev Yamtiv. Good, what about the Karfeif issues? Listen to this. Listen to this. But if you prepared wood, what we call a Karfeif, if you prepared wood in a Karfeif, then you can go ahead and utilize that wood on Yom Tif. Listen to this. Here we go. As long as what? It has a lock and a key. And it's within the Trum. So we'll say it needs to have a key and it needs to have a Trum. And it needs to, and it needs to be within the Trum. Then and if you're missing any of these two criteria, then Allah Lamaisa the wood cannot be used. Therefore, we'll say Allah Lamaisa, preparing wood on Erev Yamtiv in the field does nothing for you unless you want to use it in the field. You cannot use that in your home. And prepared wood in a karfaif works as long as it is within the trum and it has a lock and key. Good. So the, the, the Shukhnar also passed about the leaf case that we mentioned. So there are Shokhnarach also paskins in the case of the leaves. Piling leaves on Erev Yamtiv does not make them muchan because why the wind could scatter them. They're only considered muchan if what? If you put something heavy on top of them. Beautiful. We'll say, let's go right there. Says the Mishnah. We'll say, this is actually a great case. You cannot go ahead and chop wood from koros from beams. Now, say, now the, the, the Pashat idea of this, we'll see, is that when the Gemara talks about koros, koros refers to beams that are set aside for construction. So if you have beams that are set aside for construction and you decide to go ahead and use them for firewood on Yomtiv, that doesn't work because since they're set aside for construction, they're muktzah, they're muktzah. So you can chop wood from koros, Let's say you had a beam, right? Now again, when we talk about koros, they're set aside for construction. What happens if you had a beam that broke on Yamtiv? You still can't use it for firewood. Why not? Why not? Was it muchan? Right? It was muchan from Erev Yamtiv. Furthermore, again, you can't chop wood with an axe, nor can you do it with a saw. Nor can you do it with a sickle. Ella bekofitz. So what's that? Kofitz is like a meat cleaver. It's a knife. It's a knife. So what's what's the problem? Look at Rashi. 
Why can't you use these utensils? Right? Why can't I use the, the cardum, the magir, and the magal, the axe, the saw, and the sickle to go out and chop wood? Rashi says, Stam cardum asay kemin kli umnos, shaosin ba ochbos, fisargos, the yesha asay kain, klia umon, shakorn bersh, sharasha katar, don the cardumos, roshin. So listen to this, so the, the issue over here is that halacha lamaisa, it's what's called a kli uman. These are called the utensils of a craftsman. So because they are utensils of a craftsman, it looks like one is engaging in, in specialized malacha on yantiv. So because of that, one is not permitted to go ahead and utilize these utensils. So I'll say, so there are two halachas over here. Halacha number one is what you could take firewood from on yantiv, right? You're allowed to burn a fire, so you're allowed to kindle a fire, so you're allowed to take firewood. What are you allowed to take firewood from? So on a very simple level, if something was set aside for non-use at the onset of Yom Tiv, you can't use it for firewood on Yom Tiv. But even something which you're permitted to use for firewood on Yom Tiv, there are limitations as to what type of kli you can use to chop up the wood. It cannot be what's called a kli uman, a craftsman kli. Therefore, essentially, if you want to chop up wood on Yom Tiv, no problem, you could do it, but you use a knife. We just use a knife. Good. Says the Gemara, Amud Beis. Amud Beis. Vaha Amrit Reisha. Emevakin Klal. So we'll say, here's the problem. The Mishnah, the Mishnah doesn't really read well. Right? Because the way, I, I, I was explaining the Mishnah according to the Gemara. But when you go ahead and you read the Mishnah, the first thing the Mishnah says is what? We don't chop wood. We don't chop wood. And then the Mishnah says, by the way, but you could chop wood with a cleaver, right? So the Gemara says, Why does the end of the Mishnah teach me what kind of utensils I am permitted to use for chopping wood when the beginning of the Mishnah says, you don't chop wood at all? In reality, in reality, the Mishnah is missing a piece. And here's how you have to read it. This is a very interesting case. You cannot go ahead, you cannot go ahead and chop wood from soar shal koros. We'll say soar literally means a stack. If you look at Rashi, soar shal koros, hamushkavos la'aretz shal binyan. So we'll say, so again, this is, if you, you see this, right? You see this by construction all the time, right? You just see a stack of wood by a construction site. So that wood, obviously, is set aside for construction. So therefore, you cannot go ahead and chop up wood from Nor can you go ahead and chop up wood for fuel on a fire from a beam which broke on Yamtiv. Look at Rashi again. Remember, we keep going through this. We keep coming back to these same core concepts. Hilchos <coughs> Muktza, right? Perhaps the most important halacha is what says what? We determine status as of when? As of when? Ben So therefore, again, if you had a construction beam at the onset, or a beam that was, used for, that was going to be used for construction at the onset of Yom even though now it breaks, now it breaks. Therefore, it's no longer fit for construction. It's really only fit for one thing, which is what? Fuel for a fire. You cannot use it on yomtiv. Aval. So we'll say, so, so, those, so therefore, again, halacha number one is if you have wood 
that is actively set aside for non-use. So say now, what I also want to point out is something very interesting. Remember, how are these items set aside for non-use? How are they set aside? It's not like anyone is making an active designation. It's a circumstantial designation. In other words, that when you see a pile of wood, that's clearly construction wood, right? So halacha lamaisa, by definition, just categorically, those items are set aside for non-use. And then, so therefore, so case number one is the actual construction wood. Can't use it for fuel as a fire. Case number two, even if a piece of that construction wood breaks on a yamtiv, you still can't use it for hasak. You still can't use it for yamtiv because it was set aside for non-use at Ben Hashemoshes. Avol, so we'll say, so that's case one. What's the avol? Avol, mevakin min hakoresh nishbara erev yamtiv. But if you have a beam, that broke on Erev Yamtiv. I'll say, what's the status of a beam that broke on Erev Yamtiv? What's the status? Usable. Why? Why? Because it was designated. I'll say, now, again, let, let's just... Did I designate it? No. No. Once again, once again, when we come to remember, again, I'll say, this is the Machlokis Rabbi Huda Rabbi Shem by Mokta. In order for something not to be Mokta, I don't have to actively designate it for use. It just has to be circumstantially designated for use. So by definition, a broken beam, a broken beam is circumstantially designated for use. Because what else, it's, it's no longer usable for construction. So by definition, it's usable for asaka, for flame. I don't, I don't, I don't have to say, to use this beam to fuel my fire circumstantially, it is set aside for use. This is case number two. But you can go ahead and take a beam from a beam that broke on Erev Yamtiv. So we'll say that's halacha number two. So halacha number one is if the wood was set aside for construction as of Erev Yamtiv, as of Bena Shmashas, even if something changed, you cannot use it on Yamtiv. Case two, if the beam broke on Erev Yamtiv, it can be used for fuel on Yamtiv. Now, in case number two, there is still a qualification. In case number two, suppose I say, I have a beam that broke an Erev Yamtiv. I now want to use it for fuel on Yamtiv. Totally mutter. Now the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, oh, what can you break that beam with? What can you chop up that beam with? When you go and you chop up that beam, that beam which broke an Erev Yamtiv, which is now fit for use on Yamtiv itself, ain't mevakin. Lo bekardum, velo bemagol, velo bemagera, ela bekofitz. Oh, so now, once I'm permitted to go out and utilize the beam, the Mishnah says, oh, by the way, you can't just break up that beam with anything. You have to, be, in other words, you can't use what's called a kli uman, a craftsman's tool, but rather you have to use essentially a knife, right? A big knife, a cleaver, right? You have to use a knife in order to break up, because we'll say that's the shinui with which you have to break up. So again, so part one of the discussion is what kind of wood you could use. Part two of the discussion is even in the world of permitted wood, you could only go ahead and break it up with a non-kli uman, a non-craftsman tool. Tanyinavachabais that supports this. Ein mevakin, eitzim, lo minasar v'lo shalkoros, v'lo minakarshin shrebi yamtiv, v'fisha eno minamuchan. So we'll see here it says it explicitly, you cannot go ahead and halacha lamaisa, Go ahead and break up or utilize on yamtiv wood that was that wood that was construction wood that was from a pile of wood or that was set aside for construction because it is not minhamuchan. Good, so now we've successfully explained that first sugya. Category one: wood set aside for construction can't use it on yamtiv even if it breaks on yamtiv. Category two: wood that broke an erev yamtiv 
fit for use for fuel as a fire on Yom Tiv, but even when you're chopping up that wood, can't chop it up with a craftsman tool, Kli Uman, can only chop it up with a knife. Beautiful. So we'll say, now let watch this. So this is very interesting. See, you can't use a cardum, you can't use an axe. So the Gemara says, when can't you use an axe? You can't use an axe, what the Gemara says, what's called the nakvus, which literally means it's feminine side. Only the masculine side. What does that mean? So Rashi says over here, Apparently the feminine side is called the thicker blade. The masculine side is called the thinner blade. See, interestingly enough, interesting enough, the Gemara says, Rav Chinnabara says, you can't use the thicker blade of the axe. You can only use the thinner blade of the axe. So we'll say, just, just apparently in the world of wood chopping, the thicker blade would be the blade you would normally use for chopping wood. The thinner one is not. So what the Gemara is saying over here is, when we say you can't use the axe, what it means is you can't use the axe in the normal way. Right? You can't use the axe with a thicker blade, but you could use an axe with a thinner blade. So Gemara says, Pshita, Bikofitznam. The Gemara says, of course, that's why it says COVID. So when the Mishnah says you could use a knife, what's the chap with a knife? What's the chap with a knife? It's a thin blade. I'm sorry, it's a, th- it's, a, it's, it's a thicker blade, excuse me. I'm sorry, it's a thinner blade, right? So that's what it means when it says you can use the knife, but we'll say it's not just the utensil, it's also the type of blade. In other words, people wouldn't normally, you don't, which logically you don't normally cut apart wood with a thin knife blade. That's a shinui, that's a shinui. So of course that's what it means when it says, when it says, <laughs> when it says you can use the cleaver. To which the rest of the tema, hani mili kofetz l'chudei, aval kardem v'kofetz, so we'll say, listen to this. What the Gemara says is, I understand when the Mishnah says you can only use a, a knife or a cleaver, that means a smaller, a thinner blade, a thinner blade. But let's say, what happens if you have a tool that has both a thick blade on one side and a thinner blade on another side? Right, so we'll say, let's say you, right, you have both. So you might have thought, Mao de Tanan, what happens if you have a utensil? that has the kardum, right, that has the thicker blade on one side, and the kofitz, the thinner blade on the other, you might have thought, I would have thought that perhaps since one side, i.e. the thicker side, is aser for use, so to the thinner side should be aser for use. In other words, we'll say, maybe once a utensil has the prohibited type of blade, then what, then what? The entire utensil becomes aser for use. So the Gemara says, Kamashwa, that's not the case. Kamashwa, when the Mishnah says you could use a knife or you could use the cleaver, what it means is you could use a thin blade, and even if you have a utensil with a double blade, right, one a thicker one, one a thicker one, a thicker one, one a thinner one, you can't use the thicker one, but you can use the thinner one. Viki de Masnila Seifa, others go ahead and put this conversation on the Seifa. Ella bekofitz. The Mishnah says the only thing you use is a kofitz, is a knife, is a cleaver. Amar Rav Chinana Bar Shami Mishmei Derav Lo Shon Ella Bezichros Shala. You're only allowed to use the masculine blade, the thin blade. Avab Menakvus Shala Aser. But the thin blade you're not allowed to use. I'm sorry, the thick. I keep saying the thick blade you're not allowed to use. So Pshita the Gemara says that's obvious. Velo Bekardum Tanan says you can't use an axe, which means you cannot use the thick blade. Mal the Tema Oju have thought Hanimili Kardum. Maybe it's only an axe that you can't use. 
Aval kofits the kardum, but maybe if you have, both say the same thing, maybe you have a utensil that has a thick blade and a thinner blade. Migo da haigisa shari, haigisa namashari. I would have thought that halacha lemaisa, maybe since one side is permitted, once the thinner side is permitted, that permits to clean its entirety, and maybe you could even use the thicker side. Kamashwala no. So therefore, both say, what comes out of this sugya are three halachas, right? Halacha number one is any wood that was set aside for construction at the onset of Yom Tiv cannot be used on Yom Tiv, even if it breaks over the course of Yom Tiv. Halacha number two, any wood which breaks on Erev Yom Tiv is fit for use on Yom Tiv itself. And halacha number three, when chopping up that permitted wood for use on Yom Tiv, one must do so in a different way, with the shinui. And how do we do the shinui? You use a different kind of kli. You don't use a kli uman. You don't use a craftsman's kli. Instead, you just use, effectively, a knife. And how do we define a knife? According to the Gemara, any utensil with a thinner blade. Beautiful. Says the, says the Mishnah. Say, this is actually a fascinating. There's a lot of interesting halacha in the sugya also, but... All right, well, we'll leave this for now. So we'll say, so pretty much, I just want to point out, pretty much, the halacha is exactly what I just told you. Those, those three pieces, those three pieces, those three pieces of information, those three points all appear in Sivan Tuf Kuf Aleph Sif Aleph. If we have time, I'll go back. Yeah, it's Sif Sif Aleph. It's, uh, yeah, good, good. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's pretty much the same, same exact halacha. Good. Says the Mishnah, both say very interesting. Bayis Shumali Peros, listen to this. You have a home that is filled with fruit. I will say the easier way to, to imagine this for a moment is that it doesn't have to be a home, right? Imagine you have a room. You have a room that is filled with peros. Or, or it could be a storehouse, a storehouse, right? A silo, something that's filled with fruit. And what happens? So I will say now, now there's an important piece over here. The entrance, the doorway was closed up. Now, we'll see exactly how it was closed up and what it was closed up with. But the idea is, as, as, as of the start of Yom Tiv, this storage room with fruit was closed up. So the Gemara says, and not just with the door, was, 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 we'll see, sealed up in a, in, a, in a more significant way. Benifchas. And then over the course of Yom Tiv, there's a breach. There's a breach. So suddenly again, the fruit is accessible. And Arashi points out, Benifchas me'elov. So there's a breach, so whatever, part of, part of the enclosure breaks. So now what happens? So the Mishnah says, no Ultimately, you're allowed to take fruit from the breach. In other words, you can reach in and take fruit. Rashi says over here, no so we're going to see over I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin the surprise because Rashi gives us the whole sugya. But here's what's fascinating about this. You both say, why is this interesting? You would have not thought this is Dalacha. You would have thought that if the entranceway to the fruit storage, to the fruit storeroom is sealed on Yamtiv, what does that mean? What does that mean? What's the status of the fruit? Mokta. What's the right to think about it? If that entranceway, if that doorway is sealed up, it's not talking about where there's a door. We're going to see it means that there's a more significant barrier there. There's a significant barrier there. You, what, what does that indicate? What does that indicate? Non-usage, right? That's it. It's off. Yet, interestingly enough, we're seeing that if there's a breach that develops, you didn't do it, but there's a breach that develops, you can go to access the fruit. Why that is, we'll see. I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it with Rashi. Rashi, this is a spoiler alert with Rashi over here. Mami, she ruins the whole sugya. So, so listen to this. So, Rabbi Ramir says, Av poches Rabbi Meir even goes a step further. Rabbi Meir says, you could even, you could even open up, you could even create the breach yourself 
lechatchila on yamtiv. So I will say, what is going on over here? Says the Gemara. Va'amai, va'amai, va'hakasaser ola. So we'll say, so even before we get into the first part of the sugya, the truth is, it turns out that the most dramatic part of the sugya is the position of Rabbi Meir, right? How does Rabbi Meir allow me to go ahead and create a breach in the wall? L'chatrila. After all, again, isn't that stira? Isn't that an act of demolition? To which the Gemara says, no, no, what's the case? Oh, so we'll say, here's the case. Avir Delivni, Rashi says over here, Avir Delivni, Sidur Shalavan and Belotit. So what you have over here is you have bricks or stones, for that matter, piled one on top of the other with no mortar. With no mortar. So now, now the image becomes a little bit clearer. So imagine you have a storeroom for fruit. You put all the fruit in there and you pile bricks. You pile bricks. But there is no cement, there is no mortar holding the bricks in place. So apparently, apparently, what Rabbi Mary is saying is like this, because there's no mortar holding them in place, therefore what? Therefore what? This is not called a binyan. This is not called a structure. If it's not called a structure, then what? Then the removal of a brick is not, is not what? Is not stira. It's not stira. Incredible. So the Gemara says, really? So the Gemara says, says, this so? that the arrangements of bricks, one on top of the other, without mortar, without cement, is not called a structure, and therefore the removal of those bricks would not go ahead and result in steer. Now, now, even before we go on, what I want to point out is, this is very important, even besides Rabbi Meir, because remember again, now I understand the first part of the Mishnah. What was the first part of the Mishnah? first part of the Mishnah was, I have a storeroom with fruit. Then there's a, there's a wall blocking off that storeroom. So what did the Mishnah say? The first opinion of the Mishnah, what did it say? That if, the, if, if, there's a, if there's a breach in the wall on Yomdiv, I could take fruit. Now I understand, what's the wall? The wall is a wall of bricks without mortar. So I will say, so now go back to Rashi in the Mishnah for just a moment before we go on. Look at Rashi, where Rashi says, no tomi makam apachas. Rashi says, the removal of this wall or creating a breach in this wall is not an Isra Why is it not an Isra Right? The Isra would be what? What would be what? Stira. It's not Stira. Why? Because the bricks are just piled one on top of the other way without being cemented in place. Ah, now that it's not an Isra Daraisa, Listen to this. So because this is not a real wall, therefore, by definition, the produce is not really set aside for non-use. In other words, this produce is accessible with an Isra or for that matter, again, also because it's not a real wall, it's quite possible that what? That a brick will fall off. And if a brick will fall off, then what? The fruit suddenly becomes accessible. Therefore, Allah it's not really muktza. It's not really muktza. Now, Rabbi Meir goes a step further. Rabbi Meir says, you can even breach the wall, right? You can even remove some of the bricks to access. Right? Tanakama is saying, you can't breach it, but if it was breached, if it happened by itself, you could access the fruit. Rabbi Meir says, literally, you could take it yourself. Okay, so back to the Gemara. Ini, is that so? Vamrav Nachmin. So, 
But yet, Rabbi we learned as follows. Rabbi Nachman said, if you have leftover bricks for construction or leftover stones from construction, you can go ahead and move them on Shabbos. Why? Because they can be used to recline on. In other words, once I see, we'll say, now the idea over here is, j- just to be clear what's happening, is these are stones that are at a construction site or bricks at a construction site that are extra, that are extra, right? So they're not going to be used. They're not going to be used. Once they're not going to be used for construction, I can go ahead and move them on Shabbos. Why? Because halacha they can be used to recline upon. The Gemara says, Sharginhu, but once you arrange the bricks or the stones in a row, in other words, once you pile them on top of each other, Vadai Aktsinhu, they have certainly been set aside for non use, right? Rashi says, Sharginhu, Sidrin Zealzgav Azu Azu, Gale Daiti, Shemakzan Labinion, Vasal Tatlinu. So we'll say, once you pile stuff on top of each other, that's a binion, right? That's bone, that's a structure. They're certainly set aside for non-use. So we'll say, so what's going on over here? Right? So you just see, so you tell me you tell me now the Mishnah is a case of where you're creating a barrier to the to the fruit storage room with a pile of bricks, but they're just piled on top of each other. They're not they're not cemented. And if Rabbi Meir says you could even actively take it apart, because it's not called a binion. We see that piling stones, piling bricks on top of each other is called binion, is called building. To which the Gemara says it's not a kasha. I'm Rabbi Zira. Oh, so we'll say very interesting. There apparently is a distinction between Yamtiv and Shabbos. When Rabbi Meir allows you to deconstruct a wall of bricks which are just on top of each other but not cemented, that's on Yamtiv. That's on Yamtiv. But on Shabbos, he would not permit this. Look at Rashi. Am Rabbi Zerah Biyamtiv. Hitir Rabbi Meir. So listen to this. When does Rabbi Meir allow you to deconstruct a wall of bricks when the bricks have been laid out one on top of the other without cement? Yamtiv. And I will say, by the way, does Rabbi Meir just stam allow you to deconstruct a wall of bricks, of uncemented bricks for no reason? No. Only when? When? When there's a simchas yamtiv ochal nefesh purpose. But for Shabbos, he would not allow you to do that. Quite interesting. No so the Gemara says, I'm sorry? So only there was yeah, Ochal correct. Correct. That's what Rashi is saying. Rabbi Meir allows you to do this, A, because it's Yamtiv, and B, they're really the same thing, and B, because there's a Simchas Yamtiv Ochal Nefesh piece. Says the Gemara, Amr Shmuel, well, it's another interesting case. Chosama Shebekarka, we'll at least begin this again today. Chosama Shebekarka, we'll say, look at Rashi, it's an interesting case. Chosama Shebekarka, Kigon, Daltos, Pischei, Boros, Umaara, Hasigurim, Bikesha, Chavalim. So we'll say, here's the case. Imagine for a moment, you have a pit, and the pit has a, a, a cover, right? But the cover is more like a doorway, right? So you, you open and close it. Now remember again, what you would do with that pit is how you wouldn't just leave the doorway alone. You would tie the doorway down to the ground, right? You'd have a little latch or whatever, something. You'd anchor the doorway down to the ground. That's called chosamos shevekarka. So we'll say chosamos are the locks, right? So it's the lock on that pit cover. So what's that locha? Matir, you could untie that on Shabbos Yontov. Avalom afkia, but you cannot unravel the rope. Velochoteich. Nor can you cut the rope either on Shabbos slash Now, what's happening over here? Look at Rashi. Matir. Esakesha. So you could untie the knot. Why? Because Rashi says, remember, I will say, remember again, there is a, one of the 39 malachos is kosher, is tying a knot. 
and therefore the corollary to that is matir, is untying a knot. That malacha only applies to a kesher shel kayama, a knot which is intended to endure. But because this knot, which covers the pit cover, which holds the pit cover in place, is made to be tied and untied, untying it or tying it is not a problem on Shabbos. However, you cannot unravel the rope, and you cannot go ahead and cut it. That was an interesting enough, why can't you cut or unravel the rope? This is fascinating. That would be called stira. That would be called demolition. Why are both saying? Because remember again, where is this covered anchored, right? Where is this rope anchored to? The ground. Anything that is attached to the ground has halachically the status of a structure. Therefore, if you were to unravel this rope, that would be, an, or to cut the rope, that would be an act of demolition. Incredible. However, Shebekelim, I will say, let's say you have a kli, and the kli has a cover, and the cover is fastened with a rope. So, matir umafkia bachoteich, echad shabbos fechad yamtiv. So, I will say, but however, again, if you, have, if you have a cover on a kli, and that cover is fastened with a rope, you could untie that rope, you could unravel that rope, and you could even cut that rope, both on Shabbos and Yom Yantav. Why are both saying? Because how is the Gemara Paskening? This goes back to our Smich Haskavri discussions. How is the Gemara Paskening? Ein binyan bekelim. There is, the Melacha of Bona does not apply to utensils. It only applies to structures which are anchored to the ground. All right, well, so you know what? We'll stop over here. We'll the Hashem pick up at the Meisvei in Meretz Hashem tomorrow. Shkoyach. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, go right ahead. What? Please. Yes. Anyone that can make a sugar minion at Levitan at 7111 Park Heights Avenue, number 612, that's Park.